Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDM Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and it is a waiver wire Wednesday. We've got a couple of, of, of people to discuss. We've got some surprises so far that we want to talk about as we watched and, and evaluated week one and whether or not those things are going to continue, uh, especially in the fantasy community. A lot of overreactions that happened after that first week. So I want to talk about some of that stuff. And news up at the top here. So, guys, let's kick things off with some news here. Uh, listen, the injury started before the season um, was even in view with Debo Samuel going down, who's now back on IR. It looked like the progression that was coming isn't coming along maybe as, as well as they thought. What, what, what's his injury again, Paige? Liz Frank, I believe. Is that correct? It's a foot. I just, yes, it's, it's a, a foot. foot. And I tell you guys all the time. I don't give a damn what your time frame says until they're back out there. It's a foot. They linger. So it's, uh, that's obviously disappointing news, but some new injury news for the San Francisco 49ers coming off of that game is Richard Sherman being placed on IR and George Kittle being banged up. You obviously saw Kittle go out in that game. Um, and Richard Sherman is a big loss for this defense. So, Listen, this team is already 0-1 to start the season. You don't want to overreact. Uh, a very good team with a high expectations, but we know what that Super Bowl hangover is. We know that they have sustained significant injuries already, and this isn't an offense that has a ton of firepower, especially when you're considering now no Debo Samuel and potentially no George Kittle. Jake, what are your expectations here with this Niners team? How much can they afford – to, to maybe kind of coast here at the beginning until they get a little healthier because this is these are some tough injuries for this team already. Two things here. I love the addition of Mohamed Sanu. I, I think that makes an immediate impact of a pro that they can move around that already knows the offense. They can put him in all three receiver positions, uh, and that's going to help immediately. You cannot sustain injuries in the NFL. I don't give a damn how good you are. I don't care how talented you are. Now, they got the Jets, but they got to go across the country this week to do it. There is no coasting in the NFL. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but you can't coast. You better be in shape or you're not finishing the marathon, right? Like, this is, this is big. I mean, Kittle went out and played the second half because he's a damn warrior, but he had no catches. He couldn't do anything in the second half. The way that you overcome injuries in the NFL is with elite quarterback play. Next level Patrick Mahomes-style quarterback play. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo's solid, really solid. But he's not going to give you that over-the-top quarterback play. Kyle Shanahan is going to have to be at his all-time best to make this work. And this defense, which is super vanilla and plays a ton of zone because Richard Sherman's so good at it. Now they're a little different than Seattle, but it's very similar based off of that. Um, they can't have any more secondary injuries or that pass rush is going to have to get there. If they play more uh, athletic quarterbacks and you saw Kyler tear them apart, they were good against the pass again, right? Like Kyler only had like what, 230 yards or somebody ran for 91. Like it's going to be an issue if they have any more and they're not done to the NFL. Like they, when you have the other thing, when you had injuries going from the off season into camp, then you have some in camp and now you have some in week one, man, that builds up. It is so hard to play catch up. 
Yeah, it's so hard to play catch up. And this is the division that is already a, a division we identified as having, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of contenders. And the Rams start off 1-0, the Cardinals start off 1-0, the Seahawks start off 1-0. So they're already behind the eight ball looking up at everybody else in this division, Jamie. When you look at San Francisco, maybe specifically from a fantasy lens with George Kittle, if you have George Kittle, what are you going to do here? You're just going to – you just have to kind of live with this because he's the toughest dude, I think, it, one of the toughest dudes in the NFL, and I assume that he's going to play as – unless it's like one hot, like so, so bad for him. Um, even if it's just one week here, I think he's going to, he, he will try his best to get back in there. And I know that's not, if you drafted George Kittle, you probably drafted him pretty high and you're a little bit nervous here knowing that in week one, he's already banged up. Yeah. I mean, look, kind of, kind of a free kit that happens and kind of a weird scenario where he ends up hyperextending that knee, but does come back to play. If you draft a George Kittle, if he's on your team, you're playing him if he's active. Like there, there's, there's not a decision to be made. Now you're in a, a good situation compared to usual this week because um, they're on the road in New York that they're playing at a 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern start time. So you will be able to make that decision with every single game's players available to you. If he is a surprise inactive, you won't have to sit back and wait into that 4.05 or 4.25 p.m. window where you're kind of scrambling. There's only one or two guys available, and you're really going to be starting the 16th or 17th best tight end if you have to go to your waiver wire. Uh, if he's active, which I imagine he's going to be, you have to play him. He is still the number one option there. The Jets' defense, pass defense is nothing to fear. Uh, and it's still a good matchup, even if he is hobbled a bit. Because where else is the ball going to go? He's going to go to Sanu a little bit. It's where, where else? I mean, Ayuk might play this week. We might not. We're still kind of waiting to see about that. And then what, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor. I mean, Kittle is the clear number one option there, and I would much rather have him, even if he is banged up, uh, than any of the other guys that are going to be available for you on the waiver wire. It matters to me how banged up. He went back in the game. He played the whole second half, but didn't have a catch. I tell you guys all the time, like you can be a star, but playing at 80% of a hundred percent of a superstar brings you back down to normal, right? Like if he's only 75, 80%, he's not George Kittle. You drafted, you still got to play him because you drafted him that freaking high, but your expectations should definitely be lower if he's hobbled and limited because the coaching staff knows that all week when they're building the game plan. Yeah. He's the number one option. That doesn't mean he's the number one option this week because the, go- the coaching staff knows we better use him as a decoy and we better figure out somewhere else for the ball to go. That part scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I think you have to be a little uh, nervous about his injury. And I assume the San Francisco 49ers are going to ensure that he doesn't hurt that injury more than, than is already there because he is such a tough dude that I, I know that the coaching staff is probably going to have to look at him and say, Hey, we're going to have to tone it down a little bit here because they cannot afford to lose him for the season. That's not, that's not something that's, that's one of the injuries that, that this team cannot sustain if they're trying to get back to a Super Bowl. I'll tell you, it'd be a different case if they'd have won because going to the jets where they feel like they should win and as limited as jets are, they probably sit him. Yeah, but they sure. lost that game, and they cannot go to the East Coast and lose at the Jets. So there's no way he's not playing. If he play, like if they'd won that game, I'd say he probably would sit out this week, and they'd rest it all up, and he'd be good to go. That's not going to be the case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting be one to monitor. Yeah, it'll be interesting one to monitor. The other injury that has major implications across the fantasy community is Michael Thomas, uh, coming off a first week uh, performance that made you. 
made you not so happy if you rostered him, especially if you drafted him where you drafted him. Uh, but listen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, kudos to them uh, for, for that performance. And maybe you don't know what the injury was and when that potentially had impact on, on how he was running in that game. Jamie, if you drafted Michael Thomas, you're not going to replace him on the waivers. Like it's you better. This is where I hope you listen to this podcast because one of the things we told you was that the wide receiver position had a lot of depth and you, you better stack your bench as you go into the season, because you can't, you can't ever expect that Michael Thomas is going to go down. He's a pretty consistent player, but who are maybe some of the guys that, that are in the, in the second tier or third tier that you could feel comfortable starting this week that maybe popped off on your rankings as a, as a waiver wire or as somebody that would traditionally be in a flex spot that maybe has a good matchup this week, because I know obviously Michael Thomas, you're looking at, at least three weeks. So you're looking at the Raiders, the Packers, and the Lions. Um, that is going to have an impact on the football team, and we'll talk about that after we talk about how to help your fantasy team. Yeah, and look, you're, the saving grace, I guess, on this front is that there are a lot of really quality receiving options. It's easier to sustain a loss to a top receiver than a top running back right now. But it's still obviously not fun considering that depending on when you drafted, he went as high as number three overall for you. So that's obviously – it can derail your season very quickly. Uh, some names to kind of keep in mind. The obvious replacement option who was drafted, but Emmanuel Sanders getting some more work I think is a big name. He's a, he's a low-end wide receiver too for me this week in particular. Uh, if he's – again, some of these guys are either on the bench, maybe depending on how the size of your league, maybe were top wave rider options. Anthony Miller is another one I really like. Uh, I liked him a lot once we knew Trubisky was going to be the starter. We saw the chemistry those two had late in the season. If Miller is healthy, he is going to be a big factor, regardless of all the other noise that's going around with, with Allen Robinson. Uh, he's a tremendous player who just has to stay healthy. Uh, I, I think continuing players that are, you know, underrated, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. still doesn't get the love that he deserves. Uh, I, I think guys like, Deontay Johnson, who had a really good game there. So a lot of these guys were more bench options. If you're looking for waiver wire guys, which you've probably already cleared at this point, but maybe you're kind of looking to see who's still out there because in a lot of leagues with fab, sometimes if you're not in love with a certain player, you'll just wait and see who's left over and just add them for free on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Paris Campbell, if he's still available, like him a lot, complete mismatch with his speed in the slot, had some chemistry he showed. Again, another guy that has to stay healthy, but has some upside. Um, if Alan Lazard, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scandling, if you want to try to take, uh, you know, I'm not probably not starting those guys this week. Those are not top 40 options, but if you want to take some flyers on those guys, I, I did it in our league. Uh, I took a flyer on Sammy Watkins just to put him on my bench. Not going to play him this week, but I, yeah, you did. I, yeah, you did. I saw that. I'm glad you brought it up yourself. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take week. a, I'm gonna take a chance. I said I'm not, I'm not going to start him. I'm one not going to start him this week. But one I'll week and you were the dude to bite. I love it. No, I was not letting you get by and you brought it up yourself. <laughs> I was bringing it up. That was going to be my last thoughts of the day. But you brought it up now. I love I'll it. Take, I'm, I'm taking a chance. I want to be a week. Hey, I'm gonna, who said uh, last week we were going to talk about Sammy Watkins again and it wouldn't be three or four weeks from now? This guy. Gonna, I'm, I'm taking a chance. He's not starting for me this week. He's on the last spot on my bench. But if he has another good game, I want to be a week ahead. Um, uh, so guys like that, I think if you really need just like a deep, deep flyer, and I, I don't believe it. I don't think he's going to be a thing. But if you want a deep flyer, Traquan Smith in the meantime to see maybe it, without Michael. We have no idea, by the way, what this offense looks like without Michael Thomas. We have not seen it. None. 
So I don't know if Traycon Smith is now going to have an extended role. Well, he will, but whether or not he'll be productive with it, because he, he's in the past had extended roles with Ted Ginn missed time and didn't do anything with it. So does he do anything with it this time? I think the offense is going to lean heavily, heavily on Kamara in the passing game. We're going to see a lot of Latavius Murray and a lot of Alvin Kamara, a lot of Jared Cook and Emmanuel Sanders, but there's a chance that Traquan Smith could pop. Uh, I'm not afraid of this, this Raiders defense, particularly in their secondary right now. It's very, very young. So uh, those are some guys I would take a look at uh, right now off of your waiver wire. Yeah, because if you went Michael Thomas early and you didn't listen to us to go running back early when you could have gone running back receiver late, you should be looking at Tyler Boyd sitting on your bench, Keenan Allen maybe sitting on your bench, Devontae Parker's banged up, of course, but those guys should already be on your team. But you went Michael Thomas in the first round, now you had to go running back in some of those positions. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'll tell you the best thing for the Saints football perspective-wise, Emmanuel Sanders plays all three positions. They can move him around. He could actually go play Michael Thomas's position for him this week and for the next couple. And he's new to the team, so it might take a week to, to move that in there. But if they move him around as a mismatch guy, runs every route in the route tree, still got speed, comes out of his breaks phenomenally, gets separation, I could see him being a 12, 13 target guy. I got him sitting on my bench, but I'm like – I've got Tyler Boyd. I got Jarvis Landry. I've got a, a position with Naheem Hines and Kareem Hunt sitting in my flex. And I'm like, man, it's hard not to think about really playing Emmanuel Sanders this week against that Raider secondary that Robbie Anderson looked like a superstar. Uh, I'm laughing at you guys because I wish at this moment in time I could pull the Sammy Watkins quote from Jamie saying he wouldn't play him in week I think one, we need to go archive that. Three, Not playing him yet, though. So I, I told you. Yeah, you're the one that picked him oh, up. I, I love it. Free. I love it. I know he was free. I love it. I know he was free. I love it. L-O-V-E, love it. I am here for I literally looked it. at it twice and went, nah, Jamie said don't do it. He <laughs> does it. <laughs> It's fun, no, but, but no, this is a good point because I, I think I want to go through my logic on why I thought about this because this might be helpful or not to some depending on, on your thought process. I was looking at guys that were available in our league and there's a lot right now of the wide receivers that I like but are just kind of – like I feel like they're a lot of the same. Like I like Russell Gage a lot. I like Marquez. Okay. He's on my team now. Uh, not in this league. He's still available. I'm looking at oh, it right now. our league. In our league, where you picked yeah, up Sammy yeah. Watkins, Russell Gage. No, 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 I'm telling you, he's still available. I'm looking Hank, right, right. Our, our boy Hank, who we're going to have to call Clutch again because this was big, he could be good for 15 weeks, and I'm still not going to play him with Jamie's quote last week. <laughs> Which means he's taking up a roster spot for 15 more weeks. I absolutely. I, dude, when you play him, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm just telling you now, I'm going to love it. I, I'm going to play him. He's going to yeah. get me one catch for four yards, and I'm just going to like lose my mind on this podcast. <laughs> you have your own rant. We'll just sit back and laugh. I was like, I knew it. Uh, Sammy Watkins will become your Eddie Lacy. Um, if you've listened to Ooh, this podcast before, yeah. that, was, that was my long time ago. Oh, dear God, it was the ride of a lifetime trying to play that guy in fantasy football uh to your point just because it came up um the anthony miller slash alan robinson news matt Nagy was just in his press conference talking about that he and alan robinson had a really good talk he wants to be here the team wants him here and there's zero concern and alan robinson said my heart and spirit have never wavered about the city of chicago and i want to play for this organization so as i told everyone yesterday and will continue to say 
uh, the new tactics that are used by players, i.e. removing uh, teams from their social media accounts. Uh, CC Julio Jones, who started the trend a long time ago, works like a charm to get the trade conversation happening and then the contract conversation happening. So I know there is some uh, excitement around Anthony Miller uh, I think you like Anthony Miller no matter what. Like Anthony Miller had a great yes, game yes. with Alan Anthony Robinson. Miller should be on your roster. No matter you know, what. Alan Robinson yeah. signs the biggest contract in NFL history tomorrow. I don't care. I yeah. still want Anthony Miller on my roster. Yeah, it, there's a lot of chemistry there between uh, – Hey, I love what you said, but I think it's absolute garbage. Because if, you th- if you're any – now, that's, this isn't every organization. But if you're any good as your job as a GM, personnel guy, you've already looked at the potential trades for everybody on your team. Sure. Minus maybe Khalil Mack. And you probably looked at that at one point. You're not going to take him all, but you go, what would it take for me to trade this guy? And what would it look like? Because most GMs stay asleep. They don't sleep at night because of stuff like that. So to sit here and say, we haven't already potentially thought about Allen Robinson and we need him to take it off his social media to force the trade talk is absolute garbage. That's a very big fan perspective of this is how this works is not how this actually works. It's, uh, it's interesting to watch. I just think it's no, it is. All That's the a time. great point. I just it's wanted to point that out. Like as a, from a fan point of view, don't think that players have the, like, yes, it talked about it all over the media and it made the bears and Nagy answer questions today, questions which probably pissed it. him off. Yes. They've already internally, they've already had conversations about stuff like that. It of just makes the organization have. uncomfortable. That's all it does. Correct. It makes them a little bit more uncomfortable because then they have to address it publicly. The same thing that happened with Camara, same thing that happened all the time. It just forces, other people to ask questions and makes it a little bit more uncomfortable. By the way, two players, just because you get paid, doesn't mean they're not still having the conversations about trading. Also your that, also that. <laughs> so, like, I think that's, it's, there's, listen, if you're a really, really good GM, like Jake said, you're having conversations, you're looking at, if somebody calls you and offers you the right price, you're going to make a deal. I mean, that's just how it goes. Like that's, I mean, that should be. Aaron Rodgers and two first round picks, you trade Tom Brady. Yeah. G- good night. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. but like, no, no, as crazy as that sounds, you're going to entertain the conversation and look at what it means to your cat moving forward, your team moving forward, your team right yes. now, who's in a window, to, right? Everybody in the league is expendable for the right price. 100%. Just about. 100%. I just think uh, as, it, as it relates to, I think, a lot of, um, I think I saw Jets fans and a couple other fans losing their damn minds about the fact that they were going to have Allen Robinson uh, by next week. I don't think Allen Robinson's getting traded, and I think Allen Robinson's It's playing. Jamie's point to the Madden ratings. It makes <laughs> fan bases go, no, man, this is awesome. We got Allen Robinson yes. coming in next week. Yes. You rated me a 78. Kiss my ass. Now we all talk. About, come on. Like, that's, that's, that's a much to do about nothing, but that's what it is. Yes. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that no matter what, people know Anthony Miller has fantasy relevance no matter what happens with Allen Absolutely. Robinson. By the way, oh, the Bears right. are what? Want to know? Yeah. They're not trading their best player in a week. Thank, no. Thank you very much. If, if Allen Robinson <laughs> plays for another team next year, it's because contract negotiations broke down and he left in free agency. I, I don't think they're moving him. Yes, yeah. that, that is absolutely correct. And then uh, unless they get something that helps them out or they're not look, in contention in anymore. I mean, Bill O'Brien's traded all his picks, but like, if there's a deal like that that comes through, oh, you know. Oh, God. You never, hey, you wanna... but we, we say that, but then we, I literally. Sean Watson may be on the table. We all Chicago sat Chicago may get him after all. We all sat here and watched uh, for different companies at the time, but we all sat here and watched 
the play out, what was this in March? When we hear, oh, okay, David Johnson's on the move to Houston. Okay, that makes sense. You know, look, things haven't worked out well in Arizona. They got to get him back. Well, let's see what the return is. They probably got some mid-round picks and, you know, they can, Arizona can move on. They've got Kenyon Drake. They can pay him. And then all of a sudden you hear DeAndre Hopkins is in the deal. And then the whole, the whole football world stops. We have seen more than a few of those deals happen in the last couple of years where we go, yeah. they just come completely out of left field or with just insane returns on investment. I mean, how, how many multiple first-round picks have been moved in the last few years? Were Khalil Mack, Jalen Ramsey, yeah. Laramie Tunsil? Like, I mean, we have yeah. seen uh, uh, Jamal Adams. Adams, yeah. Like, that's what that's, – when's the last time you saw that, man, that much movement of multiple first-rounders in such a short period of time? Like, these things happen. Now, I don't think that there's that deal on the table for, for Allen Robinson, but if there is – I wouldn't rule it out in just this crazy NFL trade environment that we've seen over the last couple There's of years. There's one team that they that should be in that conversation is the Niners. All right. Your window is there for a yep. few show years. Me, show me He's a deal a missing with John piece. I mean, the, the Bears were offered a a two and a player and a flip flop of uh, three and a four next year. They'd have to look at that. But not in week two when you're one and no, up. not week two in October, maybe if you're you know two and four or something, which I don't think is going to happen because I think they're going to they're going to win again this week. But you know we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it's just if a GM's good at his job, they take phone calls. That's it. You listen to the deal. You hear the deal. Nobody is above being traded. There are probably four or five players that sit in that category, and even so. If, and, and a lot of players above Patrick being Mahomes. traded. There's nobody yeah. above the talk of yes. being traded. True. Yes. And Patrick Mahomes is, is going to be t- – if somebody calls and says, I'll give you my fifth round, my first round pick for the next decade, the Chiefs are going to listen. They're going to talk about it. I can right? take it, but they'll talk They're about it. They're not going to take it. He's above but, the trade, but he's not above the talk of the trade. And the reality is this, the most people that are above the trade are above the trade because of the dead cap that it would incur. Like, it does not, like you're not trading a player to take a $30 million dead cap space. Right. Exactly. So – that sort yeah. of a thing is usually what ends up preventing it. But no, n- nobody is untradeable for their entire run. Like, that it doesn't happen. Not how, that's not how this goes. This is a business for a reason, and people forget that. All right, next thing on the list here, three things that surprised you from the weekend. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first here. What's the first thing that you took away from this weekend in football that, that kind of surprised you? The Colts' game plan was a dumpster fire. I said, I picked, I said, Marlon Max to go off in the first half and Jonathan Taylor's going off in the second half and they're going to run it down their throats with this great offensive line and Phillip Rivers threw it 46 times. And I said the entire offseason how much I love Phillip Rivers being there. They were on the road, but it was in Jacksonville with like 12,000 fans like normal. So you could hear it perfectly. Made the checks. He didn't check to a run at all. He checked to himself or left it there for him to throw. He forced it all over the place. The offensive line that's so good got hit in the mouth and really had no answer for it. I was absolutely shocked by the Colts game plan and lack of execution. Yeah, it was, um, it was a big disappointment, I think, for all of us on the podcast because we expected some, some big things from, from that Colts offense, especially knowing that Frank Reich and, and you know, Phillip Rivers had a history together um, and that offensive line and the weapons that were there. And it looked to start off that way and then just kind of crumbled, especially in the second half, which was not what we wanted to see. And Phillip had some bad turnovers and some of the things that I thought would not happen happened again. And that's not good. 
to to play to add to that too. Philip Rivers is not able physically to play under center very much anymore, and him playing in the shotgun is going to limit what they can do. And I probably should have realized that before I watched that game and saw him in the shotgun every single play, and they tried to run it out of the shotgun. Because with that offensive line, I don't know that that's really what they're built for. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch moving forward is, can he play a little bit more under center? Actually take a seven-step drop, some play action, some different stuff? Because if they're in the shotgun all the time, like a college offense, college offensive quarterbacks can all move. Mm-hmm. Philip Rivers is in the shot. It's, it's a handoff. It's not a read option. It's not a freeze the freeze the linebacker, or the defensive end. There's, there's, a, there's an aspect there we're going to have to pay attention to, especially Marlon Mack being out now. Jonathan Taylor didn't play a ton of shotgun in Wisconsin. He's a downhill runner. That yeah. brings Naheem Hines back into play. He's definitely going to be a thing for at least five or six more weeks. I'd love to hear Jamie's take on this before I think Jonathan Taylor takes over the whole shebang. But I don't know how much he's going to if that's going to be the game plan where Philip Rivers is throwing it 46 times. Yeah, Jamie, we'll leave the Naheem Hines conversation to the waiver wire pickup. I want your first surprise from the weekend um, that, that you didn't expect coming in a week one. Well, it's, it's a thing I slacked you guys last night, and I, I had a chance to watch because I, I like to go back during the week and pick here and there, watch some of those condensed games on NFL Game Pass, those quick 40 minutes. Because the games that don't get a chance, particularly the 10 a.m. games, just because there are so many of them that you can only focus on so much. Like usually, but there's three afternoon games, prime time. You can usually get a good feel for how those games are flowing, even if you're like a red zone watcher. So I went back and watched the the Dolphins-Patriots game, and I was surprised at, and, and I knew this when I looked at the box score, but I was even more surprised when I saw how much Miles Gaskin was on the field and how much he was used in this game. Uh, 63% of the offensive snaps, he, he played 25 more offensive snaps than any other Dolphins running back. Breda was next at only 14. Jordan Howard had nine snaps and ran the ball in eight of them. Um, it, so that, that was very surprising to me. I want to see if that trend continues this week against Buffalo. Because if it, because right now I'm of the mind that I'm, I'm avoiding this backfield until further, further notice. But if Gaskin's going to get used this often, and he was used in the passing game, he was, he was running the ball. Um, I'm not saying he's fantasy relevant. I just think it absolutely saps any value you thought that Jordan Howard or Matt Breda would have coming off of your bench. Yeah, it was one of the things you dropped to us and I was really surprised by as well. I looked at it and went, wow, okay, that was not what we were expecting. So it's something that we're definitely going to have to monitor. From a football perspective, how did you not know this? You trade for Breda, you sign Jordan Howard in free agency. By the way, Jordan Howard plays nine snaps and runs the ball in eight of them. That's pretty predictable offensively, Chan. I didn't watch hardly That's why he ran for under a yard of carry. Like, you're playing Belichick. If he's in the game, you're going to hand it to him. He's not going anywhere. But you had Miles Gaskin. Like, why waste the capital and to be deeper if that's what you're going to go with? It makes – this is – I agree with Jamie. This is a big one that nobody's talking about. It's a great thing to bring up. Yeah, it's um, as we talked about in in the previous season. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that there is fantasy relevancy on these teams, and there's things that you need to pay attention to. Um, you know, there's going to be relevancy on that Miami Dolphins team. It's just who's going to be relevant. Um, different, different uh, than maybe what we had expected so far. Jake, your second thing that stood out to you um, from week one. I need a deep breath. Oh boy, Carson Wentz. Oh boy, in the second half. I'm going to throw the, the Eagles game plan in with the Colts. I was not a big fan, but they were kind of limited on what they could really do. And they had to lean on their quarterback who played phenomenal. He came out of the gates like Carson Wentz. I've never seen a 180 from an elite player. He's still elite. Even though he had a bad 
horrendously bad second half. Just a complete 180. He tries too damn hard sometimes. They did, help, they did not help him with play calling. He held onto the ball too much. He forced it down the field. Uh, but, my God, you started off great. Like, how did that go from that to that with nothing in between? It went from good to awful. I was shocked by how bad he played in the second half and how much that turned around. And they gave up a 17 and nothing lead to lose 27-17, a team that people had in the top 10 of, uh, of the power rankings. Uh, thank you, Clutch. Sacked eight times. That ain't on him, dude. Lane Johnson didn't play, and then the right backup right tackle went out. But it is on him because he held the ball because he tries he too hard too to make plays. Take what the defense gives you. Coaching staff, give him a short outlet. Right? I, I, I was shocked by this one. It was not – yeah, That's it was not thing. a good game. It was I not wasn't a good shocked game. he was running for his life because Washington's defensive line is awesome. We've been talking about for months. I was shocked that it went that bad and the wheels fell off and they could not put a wheel back on the car. They did nothing to help him. Nothing. Like, I mean, look, I mean, Boston Scott miss, miss, missed some pass blocking assignments, but they, they never put him in a position to succeed in the second half. And we talked about this on the Friday show where I thought one of the biggest mismatches of the weekend was that Washington front seven versus a very banged up Philadelphia offensive line. And that was ultimately ended up being the difference in the game. I don't know what happened with Philadelphia's defense to give up 27 points to that offense in, in after being with a 17 point lead. That's a whole different story, but uh, it's something to kind of be concerned with. That line's not getting better. Anytime soon. Apparently like that secondary really is not any better either, to your point. Because you're up 17 no, up and they have uh, to throw. And, and, they, and look, watch that game again. Washington did not do anything exciting. Like that no, was – that offense did not look good, yet they were able to get enough done in the end of the day. But uh, it was it was. I'll rough. tell you a name that would help them is Devonta Freeman. He wanted way too much money going into the season. He's now sat out a week. Whether Sanders is back and Devontae Freeman plays five plays or not, a veteran pro that does a lot. That Boston Scott was not the answer. Clement did nothing. Like they need a veteran running back. Even if Sanders gets back and healthy and is ninety percent of the guy, they need another guy that if he goes down can step in and fill that kind of role. He's very similar to what he can do to Miles Sanders. I think that's a guy. Now they they don't have the money. They have to do something, but like. If, if the prices problem. come down on Devonta Freeman, I think that's a guy they should look at. That's the big problem here for this team. Uh, and as of today, just out of the practice report, Miles will definitely be getting some practice tonight, time today with the Eagles. So a good sign for, for them. A good Not sign unless Lane for, Johnson plays. It ain't, that, that, that ain't helping them much. Yeah, I, I think the, the bigger thing here is, and we will continue to talk about this as the season goes along because Jake alluded to it. They have a window here where – you have to capitalize on this season because they are in some cap hell starting next year and they already don't have a great roster. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, man, Philadelphia is going to have a lot of turnover, man. This is going to be a team that could have been kind of a one and done type of, yeah, you had your Super Bowl run and that was kind of it because this team they're, they're in some trouble. Um, and this team doesn't look like a team, especially if they can't get healthy is going to be able to compete in the NFC. And, and look, I, I know he's not very well liked uh, in Philadelphia right now, and we don't know what his status will be or what he'll be when he comes back, but they miss Alshon Jeffrey. They miss that presence because all they have is, like Jake said on, on the Monday show, they got a lot of guys that can run a straight line down the field, and then they, and they have their two tight ends, but they don't have a lot else. They don't have a complete receiver on that roster. Uh, and I don't know what you're going to get from him coming back off of Liz Frank, but they miss that presence, that, that go-to guy for Carson Wentz that isn't, Goddard and Ertz. They absolutely yeah. missed that presence. 
Yeah, it's uh, definitely a problem for them that did not get addressed in the offseason um, because of the guys that they drafted are not are not guys that fulfill that need um, as the speed guys or the guys that run in a straight line, as Jake said so eloquently. Jamie, who, what's your second takeaway, second surprise from, from this week one? I'm going to go, like, go all Sesame Street here. The number is 12. That is the combined targets in week one for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Christian McCaffrey, Tariq Cohen, Austin Eckler, and Antonio Gibson. 12 Whoa. combined targets for those five pass-catching, pass-first running backs. Wow. I was very – I'm not reading anything too much into most of this right now, but I was surprised that a lot of these pass-catching running backs were leaned on heavily in more running roles. We talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire a lot. Uh, McCaffrey does it all anyway, but just didn't get targeted quite as much as I would have expected. Cohen wasn't targeted a ton. Austin Eckler with one, uh, with one target was very surprising to me. Gibson didn't play a ton, which I think if you listen to the show, we warned you was going to be a possibility. Uh, but I just think that's, that's something I'm very much looking forward to in week two to see, you know, does Edwards Alaire start to have a bigger role in the passing game? Again, being able to be on the field in passing situations because you can be trusted to block in those scenarios will be a factor for him as well. Uh, I think obviously we'll see more from Christian McCaffrey who played 97% of the offensive snaps in week one. Uh, but all of those guys are interesting to me because I thought that was something that I was watching throughout the early games. And I'm going, boy, they're running with these guys between the tackles a lot or handing them off to them. They all got plenty of work aside from Gibson, but not thrown to a lot. So that's something I want to see how that plays out week two. Do we get an overcorrection? Does that kind of come back to normal or, you know, if some of these guys have multiple weeks of that, I think we have to start to begin to consider reevaluating some of their values if this continues for multiple weeks. Great point, Jamie. I, the one that scares me is I warned you about Austin Eckler. He's, that's not his game. But Josh McKelly looked good. So maybe he can go back to like a – I'm but not Batman and Robin, but Starsky and Hutch. Like they're, they're both equal, right? Yeah. Uh, he plays better like that, and you got to get him in the passing yes. game. You got to get him in space. Throw a little flare route three or four times and get him in space. He's not a. If they're going to run him like that, he's going to be okay. But I don't think he's going to last, and that's not his game. And we talked about that a lot in the preseason. Use him the exact same way you have over the last two years. Like I don't see a reason why you deviate Money. from that. He's been highly successful. That's what you paid. Yeah, but you want him to be successful. Yeah, but like just just shoving him down your throat because you paid him doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense either. Yeah. But. I also think he'll look a little bit different when Justin Herbert takes over. Um, I need to see a lot more from that. That offense was like watching paint dry in week one. Uh, if Tyrod's going to be this timid, I don't care if he doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to be playing much longer. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to hold him off, um, especially considering the the conversation coming out of a camp um, about how Justin Herbert looked and some of the some of the defensive players that were already tweeting about him and putting things out. That doesn't. It's really hard to save them off, especially when your offense is just a lot is being nice. Uh, Jake, your last takeaway from Week One that surprised you? It's this topic: the Chargers. Uh, I'll mm -hmm. give you two. I'll throw one because we're just talking about it anyway. Herbert's still a rookie. I don't give a damn how good he looked in camp. Guys that have done it better than anybody have ever done it look good in camp and struggled in week one. It's going to happen. He's going to struggle the first time he plays. The Chargers won the game. It's all Anthony Lynn gives a damn about. But they look like crap. They, nobody had a more of a, a bigger layup than they did going to Cincinnati with that offensive line, that defense, a rookie quarterback. And you're two fake calf injuries from Randy Bullock away from a field goal that ties the game. That's ugly. I was shocked by how good they are on paper 
again and how bad they played. And we all love Anthony Lynn. I don't think this is a coaching thing. I knew they wanted to be conservative on offense, lean on that defense, and just win games. But if that's your game plan, you still win by 10 or 12 in Cincinnati. Like, Vegas got this right. We're all like, three? Give me that all day long. <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I was shocked by the usage of Eckler. Keenan Allen, I don't think he's, Keenan Allen is going to continue to have d- down weeks like that. But his target share wasn't that big. That will definitely go up with Herbert. But I don't, if they're winning, Herbert ain't playing. And you know there's going to be mistakes and a drop-off when he plays as a rookie. Yeah, but they got to open that, it up some. That dynamic's mean? important. So for fantasy purposes, you want Herbert. Maybe not for win-loss reasons, but for fantasy, because you don't care if he throws out three interceptions. He's chucking the ball down the field to Keenan Allen a bunch and dumping it off to Austin Eckler. I want to see what their game plan looks like this week. I want to. I, I just. It was overly conservative uh, in week one, uh, and I, I get it. they came away with the win. To Jake's point about Vegas uh, and and like guys are bet online. Both of those, op- like pretty much across the board, they all books absolutely refused to move that line off of three. There was a lot of money coming in on Cincinnati uh, plus three. And they, they were messing with the juice all around for weeks. That line has been at three for a month and they would not move off of that line. Like that was the one they, they that's the, I think might be the only line that did not change for the last month. They were wow. not moving off of that. And it ends up being three. And so you can't believe they didn't go two and a half, three and a half at some point just to no. bring in something yeah. from the other side. They just let, I don't know. They that refused. Was, uh, that well, was a shocker. That was a shocker to me. The Chargers are going to have to pick it up offensively because they play the old Chiefs this weekend. So if you want to, I, I don't think 16 points and the Tyrod Taylor performance of last week is going to get it done against the Chiefs. So uh, if you're 16 points in the first half, won't do it. Yeah, I, I think you're you're looking at okay. This is that opportunity to let Tyrod showcase himself a little bit more, but. That Chiefs defense is better than what we saw from Cincinnati by a mile, and that Chiefs offense is light years ahead of what they had to play against Cincinnati. Uh, so I, this and- is what makes week two so tough, right? We don't know what the game plan was. The game plan literally could have been kindergarten, elementary, simple, For sure. conservative. For sure. Let's go on the road and win a game and come back and reevaluate mm-hmm. and not show Kansas City anything because we think we can go to this layup and win. Maybe that's the case, but that's what makes picking week two so tough. Like, nobody's going to pick them to go beat the Chiefs. But it's so yeah, it's, hard to know what went on in the locker room and the coaches' meetings and all, all week and week one to get through because everybody just wants to start well and get a win and then reevaluate and go from there. That's exactly right. Week two is always the hardest to pick because of the week one overreaction that influences your decision-making going into week two. Jamie, your last takeaway and surprise from this week one in the NFL. It's something I've already eaten a little bit of crow on, but I think to Jake's point, which I'm sure he'll talk about after uh, I, f- I finish up my point here, I want to, I'm very curious to see if this holds over to week two. And that was how much JK Dobbins got used in this game. Uh, he, Mark Ingram got 10 carries, Dobbins got seven. I believe Gus Edwards had either just one. If he didn't have one, it was two. It was, it was a very low number. I was surprised to see Dobbins used over Edwards to that extent early in the season. I thought they would eventually get to that point, but I was surprised to see it right out of the gate. I thought there would be a little bit more leeway time there. Now, second half of that football game, they were, I mean, they absolutely smoke showing the Browns at that point. Like they were, they were on autopilot. So I want to see when they start playing closer games, uh, whether or not that continues. But if he's still going to get a you know 40% touch share type of a thing out of that backfield, and he's going to basically be Gus Edwards' role, but with a little bit with more dynamic talent, then he's going to be at least 
fantasy relevant during bye weeks, for example, where I was somebody else was, like, was not pl- paying that top home runs price on. Um, I also want to know what the Houston Texans did to piss off the schedule gods because I just t- I took a look. Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh to open their season. Like they're going to end their season in September. Like that, that's just absolutely brutal. That's why I that picked them a, six and 10. Yeah, that is not Maybe. A, yeah, I was going to say that's not a good schedule. Uh, it's not very favorable uh, for the old, for, for the old Texans. All right, guys, let's finish up here with a couple Let of me waiver- touch on this JK Dobbins. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I would put a giant stop sign in front of you. If you think that's going to continue. Uh, they know what they have in Gus Edwards. He's been there. They know what they have in Mark Ingram. They thought they knew what they had in a rookie that they liked who had a good camp that they drafted high, and they, the game flow was perfect to throw him in the action in week one, and he was having a little success. Probably why they left Lamar Jackson in up by that much with 10 minutes to go, which Harbaugh's taking some heat for, was getting some chemistry, seeing what that looked like. Let's go back and look at that on tape. Let's put this on tape. We know what these other guys can do. It's going to be a timeshare big time unless Dobbins does something so much that he's going to pass Gus Edwards, which I don't think he has yet. I would big time hold off on if you think this is going to be the J.K. Dobbins show already. If it is, I will be – this will be my shocker for next week or moving forward because I, I just don't think that's in their best interest to go play a rookie over those other guys that they know what they have, veterans. Yeah, I think you talked about it a little bit when we just reviewed this game, that the game yeah. script allowed for them to showcase the rookie and get him some reps. And quite frankly, that's the best case scenario if you have a rookie on your team Absolutely. where you go up and you have some opportunity to get your guy in there, get him live reps because they didn't get the By preseason. By the way, how many reps did he have in preseason snaps with Lamar Jackson? He was third on the depth chart. Yeah. He was taking a lot of snaps with RG3. He mm-hmm. got snaps with, with, Lamar. with Lamar in the game. Yeah. Big Much difference. I'm doing it in camp. Crap. The speed, it, to me, is phenomenal for them. They just added another piece that now has some experience. But I, yeah. I would caution you to think that that's going to be. If you're a Mark Ingram owner, you're going to be fine. You just got Baltimore- the teeth. You got the teeth in week one. Yeah, Baltimore continues to draft well. Uh, if you've paid attention Shocking. to what that 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 front office continues to make smart decisions for their football team. All right, guys, the, as I said, we'll finish up with waiver wire pickups. So I'm going to throw a couple of names at you guys. This is coming off of just some of the bigger waiver wire pickups that have already happened that are trending on sleeper. That's where we're playing our fantasy league. So I've been looking and, and paying attention to what is happening. Not a big surprise here, especially coming off of Monday night football, where there's an injury to James Connor, uh, Benny Snell. Big, big time opportunity for him to jump in and and take over being the workhorse running back with James Conner on the sidelines again, which man, for a dude that has an epic, just a wonderful story. And I, you just root for him. It's really, it's tough to see James Conner dealing with injuries again, but from a fantasy perspective, Benny Snell is, was it 113 yards on 19 carries? He had himself a hell of a Monday night football. Um, and if you drafted him or if you picked him up on waivers, like I believe Jamie did in our league, you're, you're sitting pretty now with James Connor and a high ankle an ankle injury and him probably sitting some time out. So Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Since you picked him up, what are your expectations for Benny Snell over the next few weeks with James Connor, obviously probably sitting out. Yeah, we're still waiting on official word for Connor at the time of recording, but uh, I imagine he's going to miss a little bit of time, and I imagine it probably won't be the first and only time this year. I should say it won't be the only time this year uh, he might miss some time. Benny Snell looked good. Benny Snell looked good late last season, too, when he got the opportunity. Looked good in this game. Again, he had a 
pretty good matchup to do it against. But to me, he is, he's my RB23 this week against Denver. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a guy that if, if Connor is out, it's going to be used a lot, and he can be used effectively. Uh, I still think Pittsburgh's offense, at least in week one, was a little bit more conservative than it, we were used to seeing. And I think we're going to see that for a few weeks as Ben starts to get kind of get ramped up. We saw a complete difference in the second half versus the first half as Ben Rossberg got a little bit more comfortable, talked pregame about how nervous he was, kind of he hasn't played football in almost a calendar year at that point because of the shift in the season a little bit. Uh, but I, I think we're going to see them lean on him heavily. I also think the Steelers are going to be up late in this game. are going to be looking to run out the clock, and Benny Snell can be that guy for you. Uh, he's somebody that, like me, was dealing with some RB2 issues. I'm not sure if I want to play a young guy like Swift right out of the gate uh, in week two again. So he's somebody I'm relying on in that spot as a low-end RB2 this week. Yeah, Jamie baptized me to the fab budget. I went, I'm going to go a quarter of my fab budget because Le'Veon Bell's out for reportedly six weeks, now three. I went 25 bucks. Jamie went a third of his fab budget and snatched him uh, because he didn't go running back heavy in the draft. So, look, he's going to be a thing when James Conner comes back. He looked good. He's more fit. James Conner runs physical, but he gets hurt all the time because he runs physical. Benny Snell's smaller. He's bigger, but he runs smaller, right? He's lower to the ground, a little shifty, but runs powerful. That's a Pittsburgh-style thing. They're going to like him. He's going to be a thing. All right, guys, the, the next guy on our list here, if you listen to this podcast, you might have already rostered him. I have him on, I think, two of the three of my leagues, and that's Naeem Hines for the Indianapolis Colts. Especially in PPR leagues, we told you he was going to have value. Uh, we warned you a little bit about Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, that irrelevant now with Marlon Mack's Achilles injury, uh, Achilles tendon injury. But as we move forward, uh, Naeem Hines had a great week one uh, performance with or without uh, what was going on, on in that backfield. Jamie, your expectations and usage for Naeem Hines going forward, is this a guy you would feel comfortable playing in a flex position moving forward? Yeah, I actually have both him and Taylor as RB2s this week. Uh, I think they're both going to get used plenty. Uh, I, was, I guess maybe the other surprise I should say is how much Jonathan Taylor was used in the passing game right away. Uh, but they're going to use both backs. They're both interchangeable. It's a little bit harder to predict because they're, they're running with Naeem Hines in week one and they're passing to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think both guys are going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, that Minnesota defense is not as good up front as it's been in previous years. They miss, you know, Griffin, they miss Linval Joseph's probably the bigger name for when you're talking about running the ball. Uh, I think both of those guys are going to be solid plays this week. And I think going forward, Hines is going to be a flex-worthy play for a number of weeks. He's going to have a role in this team. He's going to be in a lot of passing downs. He has the trust of the coaching staff. And he's been effective when he's gotten the opportunities. And I know he hasn't gotten a ton of work over the last few years, but he's gotten enough to be relevant and has been pretty successful with it. So I like having both of these guys. I know Hines was owned, obviously, in more leagues than Benny Snell coming into the year, but... Uh, both of those guys were clearly the two top pickups this week. And they're both guys I would put in my starting lineup right away uh, in week two. Yeah, I, I have him one league and love him. And that's, that happens to be the league I was trying to get Benny Snell in and ours. Um, I, I love it. PPR format, I, Marlon Mack getting hurt helps Naheem Hines. He was already going to have a role, but that role is going to be more now. They're going to bring Jonathan Taylor around slower. But they're, gonna, they're not going to go away from 46. They're going to try to get down to 36. But they're still going to throw it a lot. And if they're going to be in the shotgun this much, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for Jonathan Taylor running behind that where Naheem Hines and that speed, they're going to want to get him in space. He's going to be a thing. I think he's going to be a thing all year, but for the next five or six weeks, I think he's going to be a lot of what you saw in week one. Maybe not eight, it was eight catches or seven catches or eight targets, whatever it was, but he's going to be a thing. 
All right, guys, for the wide receiver position, I want to give you three names, and I'd like you to rank them in order of how much how much excitement you would have about grabbing them in, in off the waiver. So that is Russell Gage, Paris Campbell, and Cole Beasley. So, Jake, I will go to you first. Uh, we obviously are, are the captains of the T.Y. Hilton Club, uh, but Paris Campbell, uh, you're just you're looking and you're going, is it going to be Pascal or Michael Pittman Jr. or Paris Campbell? Who's going to be the number two option there? Russell Gage, obviously there's a lot of fantasy relevance in the Falcons offense. And then in Buffalo, we were waiting to see what that was going to look like, and, and Cole Beasley had value last year. So of those three guys, who do you like the most and who do you – you know, just rank them one to three, and maybe you like all three going into this week uh, coming off the waivers. I'm going to go with just like you just had it because I think Atlanta's game script is going to be exactly what they saw last week. Matt Ryan's going to throw for 400 yards, and they're going to lose by 10 to 20. I don't know <laughs> that they're going to lose by 20 to the Cowboys, but it's going to be another shootout. They're going to be a shootout every week. Russell Gage is a thing. He loves the slot guy. Russell Gage is great, as Jamie talked about all the time last year. Started off with a, with a solid week one. I think that will be even bigger. Calvin really looked phenomenal, but they're going to throw it a ton. Uh, move. I don't, I'm not sure I, li I like Cole Beasley. Paris Campbell is going to be a thing because of his speed in the slot, which Jamie just said. And it looks like Phillip Rivers likes him. That matchup is going to be tough. He looked really good in that game. He looked like he was much more well-rounded. And if he's healthy, definitely a thing. I don't know about Cole Beasley. They're going to want to get the ball to Diggs. John Brown was John Brown. I think Cole Beasley is going to be extremely hit or miss depending on the game matchup and the type of team that they're playing, who can cover the slot. But I, he's kind of the, by far the third guy on that list for me. I'm going to go slight difference, but I think Campbell and Gage are in, in that top tier. So I'm going to go Campbell slightly over the top just because I think he's got a better chance at spiking. Like I think Russell Gage has a higher floor. Uh, I think Paris Campbell has a chance to actually spike, particularly if something happens to T.Y. Hilton again because of his speed and in that offense. And he has a better chance of being a top, top, top 24 option on a given week. But I think it's those two guys clearly at the top that I think there's a gap. And then there's Cole Beasley. Like, I, I have no interest in Cole Beasley right now. Uh, I, I think we, we saw uh, – look, he's going to have some value from time to time in the slot, but is, on a weekly basis, he's going to be in there with the, the Danny Amendolas and guys in that category where you can find Cole Beasley's production on the waiver wire any given week in most leagues going forward. And, and I don't think he's going to have quite as good of a year as he did last year because of more targets going to Stephon Diggs. Now, I know John Brown has dealing with this foot injury that popped up, and maybe that makes it a little bit more interesting, but I would still say he's clearly a distant third of that group. All right, guys, I totally forgot about Thursday night football, and how could I forget about this glorious night? I'll tell you how I forgot, because I want two doubleheader Monday night football games instead of Thursday night, and I've been preaching that for a long-ass time. Sometime, hopefully, the NFL will pay attention to me and actually give us what we want. Anyways, Thursday night football is a divisional matchup between the Cincinnati Bagels and the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals are going on the road to play the Browns who just got their ass whooped by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, listen, I, Baker has taken a lot of heat already uh, because guess what? If you sat down on NFL Sunday, I envision you probably saw seven progressive commercials with Baker Mayfield again. And I'm cool with it, man. Go get your money. But you have to know that the expectations and the criticism is going to come that much more when people got to see you and you're getting your butt whooped by Lamar Jackson in week one. So this is an opportunity to, to set the tone correctly, to get back on track, to, to, to say, okay, this is not how this season is going to go again because we already have Odell Beckham Jr. rumors. We are, it's a, it is week one and we are already there. 
right? So the Browns are a six-point favorite at home in this matchup. Uh, I will let Jake, I will let you take this one first. Who do you feel comfortable picking in this game? And is are the Cleveland Browns going to cover a six-point spread? Yes, they are. I'm taking them 27-17. They bounce back. They're as good as the Chargers on paper. In the first half, now it's funny because people are, Belichick's 1-0 and Brady's 0-1. Belichick played the Dolphins at home. Brady played the Saints on the road. Cleveland was at Baltimore, people. Yeah. And they were in the game in the first half, averaging seven yards a carry for a while. Missed field goal, two turnovers on their own end, missed extra point. They were there. The game got away from them. They played okay. New quarterback and new offense again. Uh, they're going to be fine. That defense is going to be fine as well. Jedrick Wills is a little banged up. He played at Alabama. He's going to play people. He's used to playing through whatever. Nick, they all play. Uh, he'll be fine. The offensive line will be solid. And Joku looked good and went on IR. Nobody's talked about that. That's going to be a thing. And Austin Hooper maybe gets back in the mix a little bit. I think Cleveland's going to look good. OBJ is good in prime time. I think he bounces back. Uh, I, Cincinnati was so blah and conservative, minus the one run from Joe Burrow. Um, I, I think Cleveland's going to look good. I think they bounce back. I think there's a big overreaction if you just looked at they lost 38-6 to six and didn't actually look at what they were doing early, and they're going to get better in week two with this new offense. Jamie, do you agree here? Do the Cleveland Browns bounce back and cover the spread? They do. And this is, this is a game that they absolutely have to have. And I mean, that, that's not an overstatement. Given what happened in week one, given what happened last season, given all of the personalities on this team, you cannot lose this football game. You cannot go 0-2 with a loss at home to the worst team in your division starting a rookie quarterback three days after his first NFL – or four days after his first NFL start. Like, you just cannot do it. Uh, they, have, they have more talent on paper pretty much everywhere across the field than Cincinnati does right now. Uh, I think Miles Garrett will have a day against this offensive line. I think Baker, OBJ, Landry, Hooper should all have good games. Hunt and Chubb should have good games. I just I don't see the Bengals being able to keep up with them. If the Brown the Browns would have to choke this game away with turnovers and just asinine play to lose this football game at home. I think that they this is one they have to have. They have all the pressures on them. Uh, and I, I know everybody wants to, to to root for Joe Burrow, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just I just he's not in a good spot here going on the road for a second NFL start four days after his first start where he was fine. Like he was nothing special in that game. I know people wanted to find make, make him make every little thing that he did. Amazing. He was fine. He looked like a rookie that didn't have a preseason. Like he will be a good one, but just not right now. Uh, I'm going with the Browns in this game to cover that six point spread. Interestingly enough that talking about overreactions to week one. So a lot of books, including bet online, uh, in particular, had week two lines up for a while now because of a lot of the things that were lot, not as many things to bet on. They, were, they opened up week one and week two lines for people to bet on. This line was eight, eight and a half up until week, week one started. Uh, I don't think the Browns or Bengals did anything in week one to tell me this line should have shifted two and a half points. Uh, so I'm more than happy to take the Browns here under a touchdown. Uh, one other bone I would like to pick, though, with NFL schedule makers. So I don't consider week one true Thursday Night Football because that's the opening of the season, and you've been doing that for a long time. The first three Thursday Night Football games of the season are Bengals, Browns, Dolphins, Jaguars, and Broncos, Jets. Why? What? Why? Why? Because the algorithm that they run over a million times to get the schedule is that's how they put it. And nobody Sucks. went, those ratings are going to suck. Maybe we should change this. And there was rational thought, not a computer that actually did the schedule. So the first actual good 
football game we will get is in week five when we have Bucks at Bears, week six, Chiefs at Bills, all for that. Giants, Eagles, even though those teams are kind of like meh, that, that, those games are always stupid. Uh, you know, Falcons, Panthers, and Packers, Niners in week Great nine. Game. I mean, we get yep. some good stuff later on, but these first three Thursday night football games are wolf. This one's yeah. going to be fun because I think the, this sets up perfect for the Browns to run it down their throat in the first half and do exactly what they want to do. And then the Bengals don't have a choice but to open it up in the second half. That means yeah. they might get blown out and might make Joe Burrow make some plays and they get back in it. But it sets up for that kind of game flow, which would make it a lot of fun to watch. And speaking of game flow, something else to watch this week. How many carries does Kareem Hunt get versus how many carries does Nick Chubb get? Because he, he out-carried Chubb last week. So uh, that'll be very interesting to see if that usage tends to continue, particularly if the Browns, and I think when the Browns are up late in this game, they should ride Chubb, but if we're seeing a 50-50 carry split between these two, again, I, I would be concerned as a Chubb owner. I'm, I'm not def- ready to I go there. I would definitely watch more. it, but I would caution you to say that was game flow last week there. In the yeah, shot. they lost by Trying 30. to come back, and Kareem Hunt was playing a ton, and yeah. they're going to hand it off some when they're doing that. I wouldn't think that's going to be the, the same thing this week. I could see Chubb getting 20 carries in this game. Yeah, but both backs are really strong plays this week. Yeah, for sure. You know, the only way that that continues is if – there's a surprise here and you guys are both wrong and Cincinnati starts to put this judging off week one we're not yeah I was gonna say and I week two is tough week two is tough but I I totally agree with you guys and I think Jamie's sentiments that this is a game you absolutely it's not an overreaction to stay that this is a must-win game you cannot go you cannot lose this game to the Cincinnati Bengals at home after you just got your butt whooped and after all the shit that happened last year with this team, you just can't, you can't because it's already, it is already, the conversation is already steering in the wrong direction after one week, one week. The reality, the reality of the situation is look, them losing to the Ravens in a vacuum, isn't that big of a deal. They're not as good of a team, Of course. but in the context of which this team has existed the last year and a half, and in the context of the fact, if you want to make the playoffs at this moment, you are still at best, the third best team in your division. So you're going to be fighting for the very, very last brand new, Lonzo, you're fighting for the very last brand new wildcard spot. Okay. You can't go 0-2 and you can't lose winnable games. You don't, they don't have any margin for error in this division in general. And because of the personalities on this team and because of the way that last year played out, the noise, if they go 0-2, especially if they lose in prime time early. So you give the all day Friday, all day Saturday for them to get absolutely hammered by everybody. This will become a disaster extremely quickly. They, for their own sanity, they need to win this football game or else things are going to go completely off the rails right away. And it's going to be, this could be another disaster of a season. And honestly, then we're going to be talking about Justin Fields and Trey Lance. That, that's the conversation that's going to happen. 100%. If they lose this game. 100%. You're exactly it. right. I tell you what, Jamie, that's a great point. Because if they lose 27-21 in Baltimore, you get morons like Max Kellerman, who's a boxing analyst that doesn't watch games, that looks at the score and then talks about what he thinks happened in that game, or whatever his producer tells him to say because he's a boxing analyst, yeah. uh, that look and go 38-6. to They got their doors blown off. And not people like me that watched the first half and said, no, they didn't really – it didn't. It got there. And yeah. it got there. They got away from them because the it game flow changed to what they tried to do. But it really wasn't that. But too many people in Cleveland and Browns fans are going to see stuff like that because it's on a major freaking network and go, oh, God, the sky has fallen. They got to look good, and they can't just win this one 24-20. In my opinion, they got to they look good. OBJ's got to be high-flying. There's got to be something that happens 
to get people excited again? I think the all you need to know is that the not draft eligible Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, the the on Twitter, the 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 number two trend yesterday was Spencer Rattler greater sign Baker Mayfield. That's all you need to know. Like that played is one best. flipping game against Missouri I, State. Slow. Uh, I know your boy, and I like him. He looks good. Get the out of here with that. I agree. I'm <laughs> I'm just telling you to put context around how how bad this can get for Baker so fast oh, yeah. is is if they lose this game, it's going to be so far off the freaking rails against they're the not. Browns in the national media and I don't think that they They are they're not, but it's not good enough to just win it. No, they got to go look, They got to look good. They need some style points and they got to look good cuz this is the same layup that the Chargers had in week 1, but they're playing at home. Not that it matters mm-hmm. with fans, but they're playing at home. You're not on the road. The Chargers didn't have to get on a plane. Like, this is a layup on Thursday night. Like Jamie said so well twice, Joe Burrow four days after his first start. Listen, I would like to see, as much as we talk about Baker, this is a rookie quarterback going on the road with, with three days to prepare. Miles Garrett and that defense, you better show me something. Because that's what I didn't see from the Chargers that I wanted to see is just – just wreck this rookie. Make him understand. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the AFC North where this is hard-nosed, tough football, and that's what I want to see. As much as, like, Baker, I'm like, yeah, Baker, okay, run the football, play really, really good defense, and put this team away. This is a, you, There is no reason to not do that. This Cincinnati team is not good, and that's what I wanted to see from the Chargers that we didn't see. So I, I anticipate we will see that on Thursday night. Jake, your final thoughts on today's podcast. I owe Jamie an apology from Monday when he said I, w- I said I was 7-8-1 and he was 7-5-1 and, and he was 8-5-1 at the time. He was saying what I was. I was 8-5-1. My boy had a week of three week and one. one. Huh? 12-3-1 with two Yeah, you were. My boy had a week. I, I, I said that. I hope nobody listened because I was wrong <laughs> and I owe my boy apologies. I had a solid week one. Jamie hit it out of the freaking park. Dude, that was awesome. Awesome right, week I, one. Let's both match it up. Week down two this was week. the hardest. It, it was yep. the hardest week of the year to pick. You go over five hundred in week two against the spread. It, it's phenomenal. But dude, I, I apologize for saying that. I didn't realize where you were and how good it was. It was impressive. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It, it was a good week one. Like I said, hope it doesn't come crashing down in week two because that seems to be. Uh, this is always historically the last year I did a good week too, but the year before I got smoked. So it's, it's always the hardest one to pick because it's even as much as you want to tell yourself to not overreact, you do it subconsciously because you only have one game's worth. Your of eyes game. still saw stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Whether your brain catching up with what your eyes saw or not. If you're like me, I just go on my gut of what I saw. It's tough. Week two is tough. Yeah, week two is always tough. My final thoughts here is really excited. We're going to start um, recording the podcast at different times, so you're going to get reactions much, much quicker. Uh, we're going to be recording after a lot of these games, so if you listen to our Friday show, you you got used to it last week because we started off with getting it done right after Thursday night football and everything kicked off, so we're going to be doing that. We're going to be adding some video content that you can find on, on Twitter. Uh, very excited for some of these changes that are kicking off here with week two, so stay tuned for that. I think everyone's going to enjoy having, having the ability to have everything faster than ever before. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be mad about that. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. 
You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You should check out all of our content on the draftnetwork.com and please hit the subscribe button. Leave us a rating. We really appreciate it for TDN fantasy, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.